Welcome to Stock Odds, Odds and End. Uh, we're here for another week. Good evening, Rob. How's everything? Hey, good evening. We got this on a Saturday again. I know that people like us to push it out on a Saturday so that they can at least review it Sunday before the trading week. So congratulations, Dave. I know you talk about your NVIDIA every week. <laughs> That's pretty much the market. Why bother with anything? Else. Why bother with anything else? Right? <laughs> I know you cleared your whole schedule for this, so this is fantastic. All right, that's uh, March the second, twenty twenty-four, and we are on our way. Here is uh, the spy that um, had its nice move up on Friday, and we did have some economic reports that, um, you know, there are very. It's very discretionary how the market interprets some of these things, and. Uh, but, uh, you know, whatever was negative in the reports, they discounted it and they kind of just bid on to anything positive, which is, you know, a little bit more narrative of the soft landing and, um, you know, inflation is sort of tame and the labor market's okay and blah, blah, blah. But um, definitely, you know, we know where the leadership has been in the market and, um, you know, a lot of times they watch for that. Uh, Bitcoin also is a risk asset um, that we use as an indicator, and, and sometimes when that's doing really well, some of the tech stuff does really well. So uh, we weren't too much off the previous close when the economic reports hit, and we did have also a consumer sentiment at 10 a.m., which you know wasn't uh, that you know a much of a catalyst, but it just added. It wasn't something that damaged the market something that added so in our opening range breakout here we did take out um, to the upside we uh, started to build on that there's a few high signal uh, events here where climbing the upper bollinger band and uh, overall just continued to move uh, up to a high about 2 p.m and then uh, went sideways there so quite a lift off the VWAP and um, yeah, no, uh, no gap fill or anything like that on that particular day. Although we, in the past we have had a lot of, uh, you know, gap gap fills occurring. So here's the 15-minute chart of the week. Um, we were drifting down after the event that we had on Thursday, and then Friday uh, kind of pulled back and a bit sideways, and then we came in Monday, and it it got a little bit of profit taking happening and then uh, we had this turn here on Tuesday Wednesday we dropped but we did whoops Wednesday we dropped but we did recover fill the gap just about um, and then we gapped up on Thursday pulled back to fill that gap for sure penetrated below previous close actually so some price discovery there but you can see the support level that held up from the day before. And that actually occurred the, um, um, from Tuesday to Wednesday too, the support level. And you got to watch for these things. So sometimes I find people, um, they get too myopic on like one time frame, say a one minute, and they're not really paying attention to the bigger picture. Um, so I always uh, recommend multiple time frames, including knowing where we were on the day before, what was the range, are we an inside day? Because this day here, this Wednesday, was an inside day. We traded inside the range of the previous day. Here's the low, here's the high. You can see we traded inside the range. So this is an expanded trading range session. So as soon as you have that, 
you got to think about is volatility going to decline because of it or is it going to rise because of the expanded trading range session if it's an expanding trading range session to the upside often volatility will decay if it's an expanded trading range session to the downside volatility might rise um, we had it both ways on that thursday and some some good trading action uh, and then friday um, we again pushed up we took out um, you know the the open area and the close area we had it opened above and then we had this one spike here that we had to deal with and get above that and then it was off to the races here with pretty high signal on the 15 minute chart and closed quite well so um, during events like this you should see the vix declining part of the catalyst uh for these couple days here where we um, had some good action was the treasuries um were rallying and the yields were coming down a bit and also the us dollar was coming down slightly i think we'll have to review that but um anyway that's the 15 minute one here's the spy daily you can see the uh the breakout that friday did to the upside here so we are into new highs again once again um and a lot of people like with anything, always call for daily gaps to be filled sooner than than later. And I just want to warn you again that the time frame we can't get right. That's that's up to the market. And over the long sample, yes, gaps get filled, but we're in uncharted territory when we're making new highs. Um, so it's really blue sky, you know, clear sailing. And there's not a lot to lean on. Well, there's nothing to lean on if it hasn't ever been there before. Um, and so you can only look at relationships and you can look at um, sometimes for the products that are related to the market, like treasuries, um, like the dollar, things like that. They may have support or resistance levels that they actually bounce off of, which then can affect this even if it's making you know new highs in blue sky territory and there's nothing to hit nothing to lean on it might be another product that impacts this that that actually hits a support or resistance area so keep being mindful of that that even though we don't have numbers on the upside we do have other products to focus on that's why it's a a symphony of instruments and not just one thing that we watch. Here's a cues also making new highs a little bit uh, more aggressively as well as money flowed back in. Again, you can see the sideways channel that we now broke up out uh, up out of. And again, this gap here wasn't filled, whereas this particular gap here was. So not all gaps get filled along the way. Whoops. And we have the diamonds. Um, here we here we see that uh, you know it performed okay, but it's not making the new highs that the other ETFs are making. And here's the IWM finally, you know, coming around. Uh, it's been kind of reluctant and uh, been more volatile, but it's uh, it's starting to climb here. So that high is now. Uh, taken out to uh, this particular level here. And we have, whoops, going the wrong way. We have the sectors. 
so technology performing the best on Friday. Energy, you know, this is the funny thing about Fridays. Fridays and energy. Have you noticed that, Dave? It's like you know, yeah. energy That's could something. be just like eh, not doing much, and all of a sudden Thursday, Friday, or just Friday, or you know, whatever. All of a sudden it takes off and has a positive day. And I think it's the weekend effect, right? The concern mm-hmm. over the weekend and that that sort of thing. Um. Utilities were on the bottom. They once in a while they also they have that you know good day, um, but uh, not not on Friday. So some of the defensive stuff was more at the bottom, and but healthcare was was shining okay up here. So kind of a real mixed bag. On the one week performance, it is more risk on as you can see technology cyclical, which is the discretionary, and real estate, which is. Uh, performing when you know yields are a little bit more beneficial i guess or at least not going the wrong way on them basic materials affected by the dollar as well same as real estate uh impact there by something else rather than you know again running in a vacuum there's interconnected relationships all the way around and uh communication services this is the google effect down here you'll we'll see this when we look at the map of the market um, and so again, look at the healthcare utilities defensive, um, you know, all, all down at the bottom this week. That being said, um, on our risk on and risk off lists themselves, it was the defensive list that did perform better. Um, and that I often think of that as a bit of a testimony to stock odds in the sense of you're, you're curating things that have potential and they they might even be like mean reverting considerations or go with considerations but they have potential and they are in a particular sector and if that sector is down in the basement here for the week like healthcare um you know or uh, consumer defensive those are in our our defensive list as longs. The symbols that are selected still could perform very well, even though the whole overall sector. You know what I mean? When you look at when yeah. you look at your map of the market, not every not every symbol in the sector is all red or all green most of the time. Most of them most of the time it's spackled, right? It's got red and green of varying degrees. Um, and then occasionally you see like an entire sector like energy is either green or red or utilities are either green or red, mostly red. <laughs> but uh, but anyway, I just want to point that out that it, just because you see consumer defensive and healthcare down on the bottom for the week, it was actually the defensive list that performed better than the risk on list uh, for the week on every almost every of those days. Um, Here's the sector performances for Friday in the week. So up top, I have the performances here. And again, this is rather than the broader market, this is only the S&P sectors themselves and the components within that. So you see uh, healthcare down in the bottom uh, as far as negative with uh, consumer defensive and then utilities and financials. Performing best was the Russell three 3%. And the Qs were tied with discretionary pretty much. And then real estate positive XLK also performing really well. 
And the diamond's pretty much unchanged for the week. And then down here, I just wanted to point out um, to really look at your betas here and see how different um, you know the beta is on XLU versus the market. So uh, this is important that you guys understand that because, like, if you were seeing the the spy rally and you thought, hey, you know, I'll buy AEE or I'll buy AEP or you'll buy a utility because you see the spy rallying. You're not going to get bang for your buck on that. In fact, it probably will, you know, do nothing or move the opposite direction. Uh, if you want bang for your buck, you're going to have to go into, you know, XLK or XLY, things that actually move more than the market when the market moves. So if the market moves 1%, XLY might move 1.2% on average. Um, and that's going to give you a little bit better bang for your buck there. The also important to know the ATRs, and you can see the Qs is $5.43, so you get quite a bit of movement there. You also can look at it as a relationship between the ATR and the price. So what is the ATR as a percentage of price? And you can normalize all of them that way. Um, but it's it's really important to know. Let's say we look at something here that's um, close in price. What do we have? Um, say 205 and 210 is not far off. Um, but the ATR is 53 cents versus three dollars. So, whoops, sorry. No, two 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 ten and 205. Yeah, the ATR is three dollars versus three fifty-three. So um, this ATR is larger for IWM than it is for XLK on, as a percentage of price by far. And then um, if we look at XLP at sixty-seven cents on a seventy-four dollar stock, and we look at uh, XLC eighty dollar stock at ninety-nine cents. Again, quite a difference. So. Understand your ATRs because that's kind of showing you the volatility of each of those components, sorry, each of those ETFs, and um, that could translate into how you trade them, what the position size is, and so on. Also, compare notes with ATR as a percentage of price. As far as relative volumes this week, um, up here we saw. Again, pretty much in keeping with like similar to the previous week, um, but some of the volumes were a little bit low. All right, moving on. We got map of the market for Friday. There's your Google not having a good day, Meta having a great day, Netflix. So communications held up okay on Friday just because of that implication. But for the week, we'll look at that in a bit. Um, Palo Alto had a bounce, but rolling back over. Uh, NVIDIA, Avco, AMD, all, all these doing great. Micron, you know, it's all it's all the chips. It's all the chips for now. Uh, energy, here's, you know, mostly green again. And then you can see what I was talking about before, sort of this uh, collage of red versus green. Um, and, you know, it just depends what uh what stock odds uh, pulls out in terms of you know it might it might say that for tomorrow 
that UNH might have an opportunity to bounce back and and Lily might have an opportunity to pull back. So, um, you know, it could be like that. And and yet, if say this whole sector doesn't perform very well, we could still have great results in that combination. Here's the map of the market for the week. So Google is the one that really hurt the uh, XLC, why the XL, why the communications was at the bottom. And that's just because of its sheer uh, size in the in the group, even though Netflix and Meta pulled really well, uh, there was enough negative here between Verizon, T-Mobile and Google that uh, pulled it down to the bottom of the performance list. Whereas technology contains the semis. So even though Apple's pretty large, uh, all of this made up for it for sure. Um, so again, some of these have been these really underperformers have been impacted by earnings and just rotation. But definitely some standout earnings. Tesla, you know, everybody's right writing Tesla off because of Boyd, but uh, it bounced back for the week pretty well and uh, played its part in the Magnificent Seven again. And not we've had an environment where not all of the seven are always rocking and rolling in the same direction. Um, it was a bit mixed uh, for a while there in, in February, a bit of profit taking and stuff, but uh, kind of with this breakout, a lot of them did participate again. Here's NVIDIA, as Dave was talking about, you know, um, starting to pull, move back up and um, maybe getting a second wind here. We'll see how that performs this week, but uh, certainly again, my, my, Concern is that people that always jump on it as a short, thinking that it's got to go back down, got to go back and fill this gap or whatever, um, not not likely anytime soon. Um, it'll probably be some bigger event, but in the long sample, when you look way down the road, is it possible for someone to come out with a more efficient if if the whole if the whole thing with nvidia is about you know for ai it's the hardware su supply side of that if somebody's going to enter the marketplace with a much more affordable and much more energy efficient chip that's specific for where the big play is with nvidia then you know you could have a situation here where it's uh one day it's a uh, kodak you know, versus Fuji film. <laughs> yeah. Remember that, Dave? <laughs> I remember that. My Kodak, Kodak, Kodak ceased to exist. <laughs> and and it was a darling of the Dow at one point, right? Yep. So um you, you you never you never know where these will be in ten or fifteen years. Um if if there's obsolescence to some degree, right? So um, you know, they have their they have their play with the CUDA cores and the and the CUDO algorithms. Um, but um, it could be replaced. Just I'll leave it at that. So uh, this is. Um, I was talking to one trader this week about, you know, just be careful again on shorting stuff that has really a, a tip of the spear in a particular area. You know, the, the shorts have to be very well calculated and you have to be really on top of them versus just in being a short investor, as it were, um, because 
you look at the EPS performance, you look at the, um, you know, the Peter Lynch approach, the touchy-feely Peter Lynch approach. For example, you know, if, uh, if an Amazon truck doesn't leave your neighborhood all day, you know, it's it's fully loaded and it just is delivering in the same neighborhood all day. That means a, a good percentage of the people in your area are uh, buying from Amazon. And then, uh, you know, if you give a gift card to somebody, isn't it pretty easy nowadays just to give an Amazon gift card? Or have you received one recently? You know, I mean, on and on it goes. And then you talk about the web services and just the amount of money they're making off of stuff like that. Um, I don't know. I always look at it this way. Is it the easiest short to get tangled up with? You know, or or are there easier bets? Are there easier ones if you want a short? And I don't know what it is about the trading community. They always just, they just love to pounce on things short. Because I I think that it's easy to recognize some weakness setting in. And it's much more difficult to recognize strength because people buy and then they sell and they buy and they sell. And so you get liquidity increasing as it rises. So it's, it's much easier to recognize that transition to in the evaporation of liquidity. But what I've seen is it's very short lived, just like like with this pull back a little bit and then jump, right? Pull back a little bit, jump. And now Amazon has replaced uh, Walgreens Boot Alliance in the uh, in the Dow. So obviously that's changing and impacting that. Now, the volatility of Amazon is not huge. I mean, it's really low weekly and monthly volatility even though it looks quite dramatic um it's it's actually pretty tame but you know why why short it you know i mean like i said there's easier shorts apple apple is probably you know the way the way that it's been done over a lot of years is like you buy a basket of stocks and you use apple as your hedge you know kind of thing and every once in a while apple gets you know some catalyst that may might move it a little bit but um you know like it just i just think there's so much easier stuff to tackle than than going short amazon um economic calendar dave rattle it off here yeah this week the themes are a little fed speak we've got um some fed speak on monday not much else going on ism services and factory orders on tuesday and some more fed speak but wednesday powell's going to be speaking testifying before congress and then at um what is it uh, 2 p.m we have the federal reserve beige book so wednesday is probably the most uh news heavy in terms of fed um talk so so look at look out for that powell talking in front of congress on yeah wednesday. and he starts at 10 a.m too so that's a critical and we got the u.s invent wholesale inventories at the same time plus job openings and so that 10 a.m is kind of like a big deal on wednesday and that's the other thing for the week is employment so wednesday we have the adp employment report thursday right. jobless claims and then again friday payrolls right unemployment rate payrolls and hourly wages so so that's the other theme for the week and then thursday again there's a mixture of um he's speaking again powell speaking again 9 40 to congress again so that's going to be like a little overhang for the week is does he say something that's going to change the prospects for right. fed cuts in the week but we also have you know the initial jobless claims um on thursday which can be market moving as well as friday you have 
U.S. non-farm payrolls and unemployment and hourly wages and stuff. So uh, Thursday, Friday on the jobs thing is is important. But, you know, there's just so much Fed speak these days. And, you know, do all their messages align? Not not always. Sometimes, you know, different Fed presidents um, voting or non-voting bring out different aspects of things. So it will be interesting. 2 p.m. Uh, Fed beige book. Yeah, that's important. And then we got to earnings. Uh, which ones are important this week, Dave? Yeah, um, Monday, not much going on. Tuesday, we've got Target. That's a big one. And um, then Wednesday, Campbell's Soup, things like that. And Thursday, Costco. That's a, that's a good big one, too, to, to pay attention to. Mm-hmm. DocuSign. And, and, and if, if you remember back last time with Costco, you know, we were kind of going through some of the pros and cons for Costco. And, uh, you know, it's mm-hmm. it's the same thing as what we talked about with, um, you know, Amazon, you know, the the crowded trade. I mean, the crowd, not crowded trade, but crowded store. Everybody's shopping there. So so it's like probably still robust. I don't know that they, I I mean, I've just seen it get worse in terms Mm of um, people headed there. But anyway, and DocuSign. probably full, how much can you grow, right? So you're already max capacity. Well, I mean, yeah, but it's it's kind of that more utility. It's that staple, uh, you know, in terms of uh, like it's not as volatile with earnings as what you find with technology plays, right? And there's so, like Ross stores and can't let's say Kroger, some grocery stuff. So that's going to give some feel as to how strong the consumer's holding up as well. So in addition to Target, so. So are we, uh, you know, we have the the anniversary of the one-year term facility for banks um, that was started last year coming up to that on March the 11th Um, so could there be a banking crisis if banks aren't able to come up with uh, 165 billion or whatever it is Um, these are regionals especially so there could be another we could be having a a redo where uh this year things happen that also happened last year it's definitely possible uh banking crisis uh taiwan is still a, a concern you know and these semiconductors are just so hot that you wonder if we're not going to have a a crazy situation of china does uh, do a move on taiwan and then these semiconductors are under pressure um, so that's a concern. Uh, Iran, um, you know, we've heard from the Atomic Committee that uh, the enrichment has been continuing and they're closer and closer to development of that uh, nuclear warhead or bomb or whatever. Um, so always a concern for Iran and, you know, they keep stirring up trouble over there. And it's not it's not the Persian people. It's not ordinary people in iran it's the government that's crazy yeah. <laughs> so on, on their own people as well um so red sea shipping we did have a big fertilizer um problem that dumped uh, definitely harmful for the environment um but there's so many ships being disrupted just because they don't want to travel through there some of them are going to land at a different port and then being the stuff is being trucked from there some are going all the way around uh, but it does add more cost and it does add more disruption to the supply chain. Oh, you know what else we got? We got, uh, speaking of that, we, we got the truckers protests, you know, for New York State and things like that. So that's another 
shipping <laughs> problem. Um, you know, if trucks aren't willing to deliver into New York State, then uh, we've got disruption there too. And we just had another train derailment. I wonder sometimes with the frequency of these, I know that the label was that the railroads are greedy and they're not taking care of their stuff. But what, what if they're more terrorism uh, involved? Like we, you know, domestic terrorists are, are involved somewhere. Um, that's what I think about when I see another train derailment. Um, government budget. We've got um, some concerns here again with all this going on this month and next month as well. So, um, you know, some of this could be impacting the market. We don't have any seasonality on the calendar this week. We're in that lull week, but, you know, we've got other macro things to, to look at. Bitcoin um, got April uh, is the halving event. And that just means that as of the last having event, we had 91% of all the Bitcoin have been mined. It just makes the degree of uh, mining more difficult. And so it pr produces this scarcity. So you've got two elements of concern for scarcity in Bitcoin, and that is um, the amount of money that might be flowing and is actually flowing into this because of the um, the ETFs now, and um, that just kind of changes the game for a lot of allocation of assets. And so there's just consistent positive inflows. And then if the scarcity, you know, is increased because of the difficulty in mining, then, um, you know, that, that can be a leading indicator and it can boost the markets for sure. So that's, I think, all we have. Um, and then we have NATO versus Putin, right? We've got that. Um, any thoughts on that, Dave, before we close here? No, I'm just thinking about oil, though. I mean, oil has not had a bid, basically. It, it, there's all these conditions going on. you got Iran, Putin, war, and oil really has not taken off. I mean, <laughs> what's going to happen when things resolve? Are we going back down to $40 oil? I mean, or is it just a, a proxy for what's going on in China, right? Oil's going to stay low until there's some real growth in the world. Well, this whole um, this whole NATO uh, thing, um, you know, with there's been more. I think the the talk of nuclear results at the end of this or a hot war is is just you know more the narrative now, and it mm -hmm. keeps increasing. So it's not going away. You know, it's mm -hmm. like don't I don't see it. Uh, I don't see it, see it going the other way and saying, oh, we're getting closer to peace and the world is a beautiful situation again you know um it seems to be ramping up all the time so these are the concerns of course you know with black swans and other things that can come on we don't know what the next thing will be but uh, i would i would prepare for some shocks in this next season and um, make sure that you know how to hedge or that you uh, consider you know the drawdown on your leverage to you know directional positions uh, especially if you're taking stuff overnight, that's where risk can increase. So learn how to hedge, learn how to trade relationships. Really important. Okay. Thank you, Dave. Good luck. Okay. Cheers.